This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Fractal Shepherding. I am joined again in studio with Jim Sebastio. Jim, thanks for being here. Good to see you. Always great to be here, Brian. Now, before we get going, this is part two of really the the story of Practical Shepherding and how uh, this ministry started and how it progressed and grew. And as, and as we're celebrating the 10-year anniversary this month of, of the ministry, before we do that, just a couple of things for those who listen to the podcast. If you've been helped by this podcast, would you do us a favor and go to iTunes and leave a review? Uh, it just helps us to learn. It helps spread the word of the podcast. And so if you would do that, we would appreciate that. Also, if you would like to help this ministry, you can go to practicalshepherding.com and go to the donate button that's right there on the homepage and leave a financial gift that's uh, tax deductible. And as you will, will hear, there's a lot happening with Practical Shepherding and you will help us um, with a financial gift if you would choose to do that. But thank you for those who have helped support us in the past. And also, the website is a great way to write us and just go to the contact section. If you have a question that you want us to address on the podcast that Jim and myself can can talk about, send that on and, or through the Facebook page that has happened on several several different times that we have actually used as ideas for topics. So please continue to, to do that. We want to be able to serve you in whatever way we can and the needs that you have. For today, we are going to continue the conversation that happened that, that started the last episode and kind of wrap this story up of what's happened really in the last 10 years of the ministry. If you haven't listened to part one, you will probably be helped to go back and do that. But we hope that if you haven't, this will still be a benefit to you uh, where we're going to pick up. So Jim, let's pick up where where we kind of ended the conversation, which was where? Yeah, I think we had gotten through the point where the Lord had kind of given you uh, this, this burden that this was a ministry that you ought to take on in addition to your role of pastoring. And at this point, I think we got to the point where uh, the book, Visit the Sick, and then now uh, Prepare Them to Shepherd, as well as Conducting Gospel-Centered Funerals, which you wrote with Phil Newton uh, from Memphis. Yeah, from Memphis, right. Uh, That you, uh, those books, um, the blog had begun to be promoted by uh, some some men that uh, had some influence, and particularly we mentioned Tim Challies and, and Justin Taylor had been encouraged with what you were doing and encouraged you to do what you're, you were doing. Uh, Brian, with, with that kind of degree of you know, that your books were getting out there and people were finding them uh, helpful, you, you had been published by a relatively small publishing house in the U.K., uh, but then Zondervan, which is a, a, perhaps the major, one of the major Christian publishing houses, kind of came knocking and and asked you to write a book. And, and so this is maybe around 2010, 2011. And what was that book? And uh, and, and tell us about your co-author for that book. <laughs> yeah. You're the most attractive co-author yeah, you've had. No yeah. offense, Jim, but yeah. she's still my favorite co-author up to this point, though Absolutely. there's been many. So. Uh, in a strange set, in a strange set of circumstances, the success of the first three books, even though a small publisher got a lot of circulation because of the need, I'm convinced, and and then the blog and through that, the pastoral ministry, the head over the pastoral ministry portion of Zondervan, contacted me, which most will know is kind of a rare situation. Usually, most people are seeking out Zondervan, who's who's mm-hmm. with Harper Collins and the biggest Christian publisher that's out there now. And but they came to me, which which then provided a a bit of a way to negotiate a, a bit more than maybe 
a nobody author would, which is what I still really was at that point. Right. And so uh, they came to me and asked me what, you know, we'd like to talk to you about maybe doing a book with us. What would you like to do? And I told them that what I was getting written about the, the most on the blog and through email and things as people were contacting me is how the fam, pastor's family was just imploding. Mm. And it's actually, as I saw that, I was growing burdened to want to write something about that. Right. And they were, and they actually want, that's what they wanted me to, to write. So we kind of took that as a, as a, as a confirmation. And, and so I, I negotiated to write the pastor's family with them, include my wife. My wife, Kara, was the co-author of that book. And that's kind of started the relationship with Zondervan. I really want to encourage people that if, if you haven't read the pastor's family, uh, I, I, I found it really enjoyable and helpful to read. And I really liked the the format, which, Brian, if I remember, it's been a few years since I read it, but you would deal with a topic and then Kara would kind of give her reflection on that as as the wife, right? Is yeah. that kind of, and then, then she wrote some of it, uh, the section she wrote at the end, was, and she actually dealt with some of her struggles with depression, which is That's right. very raw, and, uh, and, and, and I'm very thankful that she felt the freedom to write what she wrote. Uh, because uh, obviously, I think you know, this was not one of these. Hey, I got it all figured out, and and we have the Instagrammable. Although you have a very Instagrammable family, hmm. but we're not. You know, it's not the sheen. It's like this is hard, and I made mistakes, and this is how you know we've had to try to work through those. God has an interesting way to teach us and to humble us. And the the book was written in that format that you described. My wife wrote one of the chapters, and then we kind of flip-flopped. So I kind of gave commentary to okay, what she wrote. That's right. But then the other chapters, yeah, she came in, and I usually— ref- the idea was that if somebody came and sat down with us for a meal, that they would get basically what they get, and that's somebody asking me a question, I'll answer, and then my wife jumps in and usually either corrects me or says something more wise or more helpful than I did. And so we said, okay, let's just do this in a book format. Mm. And to this day, I got a, a pastor wrote me two days ago in an email saying that they, they had just read it and that uh, especially appreciated my wife's section, that his, his wife read it and just couldn't put it down. So like we're right. talking seven right. years later, right. pastors still write me about what she wrote in, in that book. And so right. that— So my wife read it too, right? It's a book, it's a book for yeah. both of you to read, and, and it, maybe it even your kids could read it. Uh, that would be helpful. It is, but I think what's interesting about it is we wrote the book— It. It did well. A lot of people were helped by it. It got a lot of circulation. That opened the door for for the bigger, the the, the kind of the multiple book deal with Zondervan that pract- that we ultimately made as as a ministry, not necessarily me, because we included other authors in that practical shepherding series we did with them. The pastors' ministry followed that as the companion to the the, the pastors' family. But what's important for you to know is we this really kind of catapulted the ministry in a lot of ways forward. Mm-hmm. But what happened is my wife and I write the pastor's family. Uh, the book's released. It does well. And then our own family implodes. Yeah. You're so yeah, the, so the enemy God's, attacked in that way. God's interesting providence in what, and without getting into the details, a lot of details of the story, that's not what this podcast is about, but it needs to be said. That may be one that we <clears> need to do and, and let people into that. I, I agree. And some, some who know my story have heard me speak, have probably heard me talk about it. But yeah. I, as I'm trying to juggle pastoring a local church and trying to manage this growing ministry, uh, my identity got way too wrapped up in it in it all. Yeah. And I just crushed my family with my schedule. Mm. Uh, some aspects of our marriage that were not good got, came to light. 
And my wife, our, our family just kind of imploded. And for the next five years, my wife and I were, were in counseling, uh, meeting with a counselor, trying to just put the pieces back together. My wife was, you know, my wife wrote about her struggles with depression in the book and then hit one of the, maybe the darkest depression I've ever seen her fall mm. into. So it's almost, as I look back on it, I mean, it felt really confusing. Like this ministry's beginning to grow. Right. We just write a book on the pastor's family. Right. And then God, you let my past, my family implode, you know? Yeah. And so it was really hard to make sense of it. And sure. I was, I struggled. It was a dark time for me. And in God's kind providence, what's amazing is I just stopped traveling. I, I really revved things back right. to stay home and be with my family, care for my wife. Me having to do a lot of soul work with a counselor that, that I didn't realize I needed to do. And mm-hmm. I spent the next several years doing that. The other thing I did, because I, I stopped traveling for a few years. I didn't travel internationally for seven years until I went to England last fall. So yeah. there was that big of gap even that's carried over into that. But what yeah. happened during that dark time is um, I sat and wrote. That's where you know. That's where a lot of the book deals started coming, and the small series where I was including other authors and and developing all of that. That happened during the dark time that I really wasn't able to travel and didn't need to, and mm. and had the dark, just dark moments of the soul and trying to put my marriage back together. Mm. So it was interesting providence that that that's not how you want to do it to put it to write a book, put it in front of everybody, and then let your own family implode. But that's what wow. happened. And I think Brian, one of the things that I hope people get from this, and I. I and even just understand that uh, even what we're trying to do here with the podcast and Brian and I talk and we give some counsel and advice, a lot of that comes out of the whole framework of failure, mistakes that we've made. And I hope none of you, uh, no, none of the brothers or sisters listening to this get the idea that we're we're sitting up here on any kind of high and mighty platform as the two guys that have it all figured out and and we you know dispense advice uh to people um you we we've we we have we have our share of our battle scars and uh and it's not just wounds we see but you know wounds we never intended to give but just because of your own humanity and those kinds of things you wind up and sometimes even your own family gets hurt in the midst of of our pursuing something we think is really good and honoring to God and yet we do it because we're frail in a way that it winds up causing some harm it doesn't invalidate the stuff that you had said earlier mm. and maybe it maybe it may have even validated it all the more but but that's part of I just wanted to say that I appreciate yeah. your your being willing to share that because uh, not a lot of people would want to say that that uh, hey this is the best book I wrote and I really stunk <laughs> at it so well, um, and, and it needs to be said because you co-authored the pastor's soul with me yeah. and it needs to be said that uh, the pastor's soul was written for, for, for from my end out of the really painful soul work I had to do. So right. what, what this ministry, some of you, a lot of you will know this who follow the ministry, you know, we we still are at the core about practically helping pastors shepherd their flock. Yeah. But what has this has morphed, a, a wing of this that has morphed into is out of the own work, my own work I had to do because I did what basically so many pastors do in that you run your family right. in the ground, you function very narcissistically about your ministry and your life. Yeah. And I got body slammed in a sense yeah. by God, and and that's what I understood happened as I look back. And so the pastor's soul, a lot of the writing out of that, and quite frankly, 
a lot of the work I do with pastors now, I'm sitting down with pastors and I'm not necessarily talking as much about with them about how do you go care for the sick in the hospital as much as they're trying to figure out how to survive in their church. They're trying to figure out how to not be discouraged and want to leave the ministry. Right. They're trying to figure out how to not crush their family. So I look back at, at, at this 10-year mark. God is so kind as I see it that he took me through such a dark time mm. to teach me the things I would not have learned had it not been so dark. Yeah. And and so as we hit 10 years and now we just see all these things that God's doing and seems as allowing us to do in the future for this ministry, a lot of the fuel behind that was a was a a, a pruning God had to do to my yeah. own heart and soul. And I do want to commend, you know, you had the humility to go through that and to receive counsel and to be laid bare so that you and Kara are now in a good place. In fact, Kara is, I'm going to jump jump way ahead here yeah. uh, time-wise, uh, but Kara uh, is a part of the women's ministry, something that's new to practical shepherding. So that's a way now to care for pastor's wives, isn't it? Primarily there's a desire that behind that. That's right. So we, we obviously have seen the need for a long time that there's just as much need for care of pastor's wives right. as there is for pastors. Uh, and even to train pastor's wives to know how to how to be helpful in that role and to not lose yourself right and to know what what should be expected of you and what shouldn't and right. and all those things so uh, my wife has obviously lived that walked through a dark time with me mm-hmm. in in the midst of that so she was a and I, we always knew the need was there but we didn't want to kind of half bake do it and mm-hmm. so i kind of waited for my wife to get to a place where she was ready to step into this mm-hmm. and and because I, I knew she would want to be a part of this at some point, but we're, we've got kids that are growing up and right. trying to get them through school. And now that the kids are getting older, and my wife, though she's finishing school, she's doing counseling uh, degree. She's and working, she's on, her master- right. so she's working on her master's for counseling. Right. And and then this is a once this is a piece of what we want her to be able to help in doing. And we brought because there's a great need. We've brought another lady on to help, you know, with this ministry. And so that's the idea is that. We've tried to help pastors' wives, but the reality is, as a man, I can do my best to try to help a pastor's wife in in different ways. But obviously, a pastor's wife is the one that's going to know uh, how to help another pastor's wife. So that has been really fruitful, even as Kara was playing that role to some degree. Obviously, it kind of just morphed into an official role as we launched that in the ministry, and we're able to get something behind it as she's able to give more time, and then we're able to bring more staff yeah, on to well, do it. might it. be good to even bring Kara into one of these and, I agree. and even talk about some of the, the dark time together as well as uh, ways that maybe she or we can be a help to you know to the pastors in a, in a family sense as well as yeah. a more particular ministerial sense. Yep. So I'm going to go back a little bit, Brian, just because time is so limited. We could do this for a long sure. time. So the pastor's family got published. That was followed sometime later by the pastor's ministry. And you wrote that by yourself, I think, right? Well, yeah, right. So we the the core of the ministry had already been established. And I was doing some teaching on this area, but but the core of the ministry was family, ministry, and soul. Okay. Like those three areas, the holistic care of a pastor is you have to hit those three areas. Yeah. So if you're so deciding if you were to go to a practical shepherding workshop, at least the the initial one, those are the three main main areas you deal with. Correct. So those are the three areas. Soul ministry, family is kind of the mantra of our ministry. So the idea behind it was that though the pastor's family was the first one that was written, 
the idea is that we wanted to have a book in all three areas, okay. which of course you and I talked for like four or five years on the pastor's soul right. that finally got done. But uh, and that, so that was the last one to to get done. But that's the idea of those those three areas. And now that the pastor soul came out last year. That for me personally was very satisfying because you're, you're talking like the ten year mark. This has been right. developed, and we finally have a book for each of these areas. And because I'm convinced on all three of those areas have to be addressed to holistically care for a pastor. And we made a comment a couple of times. So now, apart from those, so you have those are like the three overarching foundations of it but then there are is it seven books brian that are part of the practical shepherding so i know i mean i i i've i've been through i think all of them at some point or or other uh but dealing with things like church administration can uh how to put together worship services praying for the flock right uh i can't remember all the grieving yeah comfort the grieving So, so the seven book series came out of it was that was so after the pastor's family Zondervan negotiated a pretty significant deal with our ministry and that was that we would I would do the pastor's family or excuse me pastor's ministry and then we would do the seven book series so the first three books of the series were those first three books I had written for day one yeah the, and so we were able to go published by a new publisher. exactly right. so we were able to go to day one and negotiate to get our copyrights back for that which they were kind to do and Zondervan revised and updated those three and then we released four others and that's so those who are familiar with the seven book series that's where that that's where that came from and it's multiple authors so it's not just me but right. it's multiple I co-authored several of those books some of those books I didn't write. I just wrote the forward for, mm-hmm. and I asked somebody to participate in it. So that's where the series come from. Came from. There's a book on widows, care for, caring for widows. I wrote with Austin Walker. That's not in that series. That Crossway published that, but it's in the same you know genre of right. that. And so we begun to, with the publishing, I guess for success, for lack of a better word, the connect the contacts and, and being able to negotiate these deals. I started bringing other guys in that I wanted their stories told. Sure. And so I basically would tell publishers, if you'll publish this, you know, I'll write the foreword for it. We'll make it a part of our resources. And I would go to guys and say, if you'll write this story, I'll, I'll find a publisher for it. So we kind of begun to get that wing of the ministry to where multiple authors are part of our resources now. Great. Um, so now on top of this now, uh, the uh, practical shepherding became a – Kind of its own ministry with a, a board of directors, uh, a, f- a fabulous president. Amazing president, yes. Really incredible. <laughs> um, uh, that happened back in 2012. Is that right? In December 2012. The, uh, and, and kind of what was behind that and, and what do you see as being the help or the, or the, the profit of becoming a nonprofit organization right. that – has its own kind of ministry. I wish I could say that the ministry was exploding and we just had to grow and do something, <laughs> right. but it's not that dramatic. In fact, what happened was even up to that point, I was still kind of had this attitude of, all right, I'll write when I can write, I'll speak when I can speak, but but I'm a local church pastor, and I need to, you know, I need to focus. I need to focus there in particular, and as the ministry was growing. Uh, still begrudgingly writing. It was just the first three books, really, at, at that point, and and Pastor's family had just start uh, was developing. So, 
our church, because over some different circumstances, just was struggling financially. And the church couldn't pay me full time anymore. Mm. And nobody wanted to speak. You know, we were just trying to struggle through it. And I just realized, told my my pa- fellow pastors, we have to do this. Like, we have to cut my salary significantly. I need to go get another job. And they realized that's what we needed to do. So I was about to go, you know, work at Starbucks or whatever. Just mm. I wasn't going to leave the church. And I had a couple of close friends who loved the ministry, who were very entrepreneurial, came to me and said, look, we're grateful you're willing to go work at Starbucks, support your family. That's not what you need to do. You need to you need to pray and ask God for a bigger vision of this ministry mm. and see what, what there is with this. But they think there's more that needs to be done. And I went in my prayer closet and just started praying. And God not only met me in that place and gave me a much bigger vision of this ministry, but that's where the shift took place that I am convinced of. That I went from this is something I'm going to do on the side, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm a local church pastor, this is what I'm going to do, and and I'll do some of these things when I can. And that's where it became where I realized this was a part of my calling that God was calling me to, mm. not away from the church, right? But just this is something that needs to be given to it as well. And so at that moment, I really became bivocational is the way I describe it. I just get to do ministry full-time still. Yeah. So we launched as a full... We get, we raised some initial money. We launched as a full-fledged nonprofit. We uh, brought, established a board, which you have to do with a nonprofit. We brought on the finest president we could find. And and Jim... Which uh, wasn't saying <laughs> Jim assumed that role, which you need to know... At well, that I think moment, what you're saying is you sought to find the finest. You we could sought find, to find and because that wasn't there and found him is what I'm saying. And what that needs to say to you for those who are listening in the midst of this story is that by that moment, Jim had become such a dear friend and partner in many ways in this ministry already. That what I can say that Jim won't is that he was the obvious choice to become the president of this ministry. And he became the president from the very beginning, and to this day, by God's grace, continues as the president and obviously is a is a significant partner with me in this ministry in a lot of different ways. But when that board formed and we launched the ministry in that way and we were able to raise money for it, which then brings more people involved with it, not just not just pastors who are wanting to to learn about hospital visitation and how to do funerals, uh, it kind of just opened a wide door of ministry in a way that, that we had not had before. So I think, again, we need to wrap things up yep. here, Brian. Because one of the new areas of life then that became a part of things was uh, being involved more for you in church revitalization. Uh, so that's not necessarily directly connected with it is and isn't directly. I don't think you would have had that had it not been for practical shepherding. But that's a major issue upon and a burden upon your your heart and upon your soul, and, uh, and and that you're pretty heavily involved in, and maybe the third hat that you you sometimes wear. Uh, and then the other thing, just if if regard to what the the ministry did, we're doing a podcast. When did the podcast get started? And uh, do you know how many you've done? I don't. We've done probably close to I think. 60 episodes maybe and the podcast it's an interesting story because though this is something you and i do you didn't you weren't a part of it in the beginning no uh a guy named josh share who was one of my fellow pastors at our church and uh, was a board member and then worked for practice everything for a time uh josh uh, more is younger than i am and he's pretty media savvy and he just saw that the that the 
the the media frenzy was moving towards podcasts. Right. And he came to me. It was it was almost it was it was very familiar because he comes to me and says, "Hey Brian, we need to start a podcast." And I reacted pretty much like the person that came to me and said, "Hey Brian, you need to start a blog." Right. What's I'm like, that? Wait a minute. A podcast. I knew what a podcast was, but I didn't listen to many. And also was like, when I have time to do a podcast, like you're going to add that to our plate at that point. And so he convinced me to just try this. We invested a whopping like $80 in equipment for us to try to just record through the computer and all this. And and it was pretty thrown together. And Josh did a great job of just um, investing in it, helping me see the value of it. And he, it really, it started from his initiative with that. And then Josh ended up going to pastor a church a couple of years ago or being associate pastor of another church uh, at, closer to his hometown. And so as the staff started changing and I realized that this was, he convinced me this is where things were moving, um, I, I tried to think of a different format because a lot of it was Josh asking me questions about issues. And the best podcast we had had up to this point were a few episodes where there was a dialogue back and forth that, that wasn't just, people don't want to just hear from me, but hear from someone else mm-hmm. and have a dialogue. And it just hit me one day, you and I are sitting at a coffee shop doing what we have been doing for years and just kind of chumming it up. We'll be talking about something serious one minute and then we'll be laughing really hard the next right. about something else that we're talking about. And all of a sudden it just hit me. I was like, maybe we should just record this. Yeah. And this and this could be the format of the podcast. That's how I brought. That's when I asked you to kind of jump in and see what this would be like. And so the this has been the current format for a while now. But that's how the podcast started. But it really has has developed. I think um, what you and I have been able to do is really what what I think has been most helpful to people. And that's two pastors having a dialogue about something that we have not figured out, but we have some experience in, we care about, and we sharpen each other sitting in a cafe talking about this stuff, and hopefully it's helpful to some others as we talk about it. Brian, where do you see, what do you hope for the future uh, practical shepherding? God God gave you a blank slate, said uh, right, right on here, two, three things you want to see done over the next five, ten years, God willing, uh, what would you want to see practical shepherding do? Yeah, thanks for asking. I, I will first say that I, I will not be writing as much. So I I enjoy writing now more than I did. Uh, I feel competent in writing, but I still don't feel like it's a, it's a gift I have. Mm-hmm. It's still hard. It's a lot of work for me. And so a lot of our core resources in my mind have been written now. So we will have books come out. Uh, there's a couple books coming out this year, but um, not as much writing. We'll be more focused on kind of the medium that's growing. So the podcast is a big focus, I think, next several years. We're starting a video cohort. If you haven't heard about this yet, uh, you it's free. We're partnering with the North American Mission Board to do this. I will be doing a training, a video, live video training, and then interaction one hour a week. And it will take them through the curric- curriculum of practical shepherding. And so you have to go online and apply and be accepted to the video cohort. And uh, But that's launching in April. And I'm really excited about that. We have... Right. We have, uh, I think we're in the around 180, and they're all, almost all pastors mm. who've applied to this that we've accepted in this cohort. So right. I'm really excited about that's a big place of growth. We brought on a, a lady named K- Kelly Carmack, who is not a pastor's wife. Uh, her husband is aspiring to be a pastor, but she was a pastor's kid. 
and grew up and is a and leads the women's ministry at our church. So she has a unique experience to bring. So we brought her on staff part time in the women's ministry. So between Kelly and Kara, I'm really excited about mm. how the women's ministry is going to develop uh, from that. Other than that, I, I think a lot of um, uh, we're trying to figure out how to multiply the ministry uh, without me having to travel the world. So the video and the podcast is a mm. great venue for that. What I see in the next five to ten years, I'm hoping for is that I'm able to bring some of guys like you and others in to where you're the ones that are going out and teaching and training, and it's not and, and it's not just me doing that. And we multiply the ministry by benefiting from others' experiencing gifts, and and we're starting to do that as well. Exciting days. I mean, that's what's fun about celebrating this today. All right. Well, bless the Lord for. These uh, 10 years of practical shepherding. 10 years. And uh, congratulations, Brian. It's been a delight to, to watch. Uh, I, knew you, I knew you way back when, <laughs> sunny boy. So uh, back before all this was uh, back when practical shepherding wasn't even a spark in your eye. <laughs> I knew you. And uh, you go way back. And uh, to see, the, you know, I was there in those early days. I watched, I watched as people were trying to get you fired and... I'd invite you out for lunch or coffee every couple of months, and you know, uh, and I thought, oh, this poor guy, I don't know, he's going to make it. And uh, I'm I'm thankful for the way our friendships develop, um, partnership in this ministry, as well as, and we didn't even talk about this, the pastor's fraternal. That's right. been such a blessing over the last how many years? I was trying to think, is that on this seven years? And that's actually worth mentioning because seven years ago, you, myself, and then. Two other close friends, Ryan Fullerton and Rob Gibson, the four of us started this pastor's fellowship, brought our tribes together in a sense of the people who were in our sphere of influence. And we got over 200 pastors involved in this pastor's fellowship, about 40 or 50 come each time. And it has encouraged other fellowships to start. And that is a wonderful fruit of of just friendship that's come out of this. Before you pray, I want to say that this ministry and doesn't exist in this capacity or me to be at a place, just the Lord's work in my life, without somebody like you and your friendship and your investment in me, your church's investment in me, your uh, the way that you have b- just been a friend through this. I think I look back in the providence of God, and I want to encourage pastors listening to this, that as I look around at all that's happened the last 10 years, and I, look at, and, I, and I see Jim in front of me, don't underestimate what pastoral friendships God will use in your life, not just for friendship, but for ministry partnership and whatever you might do, it might just be your two churches working together mm. in your town. But embrace, make the time to embrace pastoral fellowships with others. Yeah. So much of this ministry, the board members and others, were just friendships that I formed right. that are relational. So, and and Jim is such a central part of that now. So Jim, will you pray uh, just for for the next ten years and that the God mm. that we be faithful, whatever right. God wants to do with us. Yeah, amen. Thanks. Father, we thank you as we have rehearsed your providence, and, and Father, we trust not as a, a boasting in anything or gifts, or but Father, as a recognition that you have led and guided uh, my brother Brian, and you've used him to be a help and a blessing to so many others. And Father, we pray that you'd keep your hand upon him uh, in regard to his own soul care, his integrity, his relationship with his wife and his kids and his church. Uh, Father, we pray that uh, we know the enemy would like to make this a dark spot and a stain that 
uh, wipes away uh, much of the good that's been done. And so, Father, we pray that he would remain tightly in your grip and, and himself be a testimony of your preserving and sanctifying grace. And that through that, um, you would help him uh, to be a help and a blessing uh, to those who are listening and to those that will be part of the video cohort and a part of this ministry in the, uh, we hope, in the decade to come. We offer this to you in your son's name. Amen. Amen.